There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. This is ear, nose, and throat, doctor. This is ear, nose, and throat? Uh-huh. Well, uh, how long... He, he, he's crawled up in there? Yes. Oh, my Lord, honey, you need to get to a doctor. Well, I, I know it's, it's so embarrassing, though. I, well, I'm sure it is, but gosh. I can, I can, oh. I can still feel him clawing oh. around in there. Oh my God! Yeah, so I know it's you know it's my grandson's, and I can't uh, how can I explain that to him, you know? Isn't it the truth? Yes. You might have to just get that one out and go back and get another one. I I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. I've never heard of that. Well, I can I can, I would I can talk. see just the tip of his tail in there, and I try to pull out, and he just pulls it back in there. It's like he likes it or something. Oh, my God. I would call the a hospital and ask for the emergency room nurse and oh. tell them what's going on and what should you do about that. Oh, Lord, I, I am so embarrassed. That, yeah, but they can't see your face. <laughs> so call them and just tell them that you have an emergency that you need to talk to a, uh, the emergency room. You may have to go to a gynecologist to get it out. Oh, Lord. Well, he's not—he's—he's—he's uh -huh. he's, he's not in my hoo-ha. He's in my anus. Uh-huh. So, so do you think? How in the world did he ever work his way up in there? Well, I—I I read on the internet how that could sometimes cause pleasure, and I—I I, I shouldn't have done it. I ought not to. I just lonely. Uh-huh. I—I—I'm so embarrassed. How long do you think he can survive up there? Honey, I have no idea. It's not. I, would, it's not I don't a, care how embarrassing. I would still... Do you have a gynecologist? Oh, uh, no, ma'am. I really have uh, no need any longer. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd call... It's not uh, altogether un unpleasant. Uh-huh. be honest with you. Uh, I, I fed it with pellets, and uh, he seems to have got himself turned around in there. Ah. Uh, I'm sorry, but there's no way I can help you with that, and I wish it was. But like I said, I'd call the emergency room. Have you got insurance? Yes, ma'am. I would call the emergency room and just tell them what's going on and tell them it's been embarrassing, but it's just something that's happening. What should you do now? If he if he dies in there, you think I, I, I pass it out in my stool? I don't know what would happen if... if you uh, took a laxative or something to make it come out. Uh, how big a one thing is it? Oh, he's he's about to have size of a fist, I guess. Uh-huh. I've had a, a fist in there. It's been quite some time, but it, it, I have had that in there. And this had a what? A fist, and he's about a half a size of a fist. Ah. Uh, yeah. 
I'm, I'm going to have to get this phone, but if you find out what you can do, call me back and let me know. <laughs> could, you, could, you, could you say a, a prayer for me? I certainly will, dear. I pray that you'll find the right place to go to get this taken out. God bless you. I certainly do, honey. Okay. Okay. Th thank you for being so, so sweet. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 11. That was a prank call I did in my uh, old lady voice. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, what, who's that based off of? What what character? Is that someone that you know personally? Is that an old teacher? Um, my Aunt Eva, who recently passed away, was uh, um, she was 90 years old, and she, up until she was like 86, she mowed her own lawn, and she was just this— Just baller. Just a tough old broad, and uh, like like her grand, her son came over one day, and he was like, "Mother, you don't need to mow your lawn anymore. I'll do that for you." And she goes, "When I need you, I'll call you." <laughs> <laughs> what state is that from? Do you mind me asking? Uh, Arkansas. She was from Arkansas, and I did this character on a radio called Granny G, and I would call in the radio and pretend to be my grandmother, my eighty-nine-year-old grandmother, but it was actually based. On Aunt Eva, who was just a spunky lady, and of course, I made her, um, I made her like a horny old lady, and she's a drunk. <laughs> she drinks all the time. Just everything you'd want to have. Yeah. In a nice so, grandmother. so she's a little version of my Aunt Eva, but my Aunt Eva was very uh, church going and didn't. I don't know if she ever had a drink in her whole life. Um, so she definitely was not, you know, and promiscuous and all that. But this this character I do, Granny G. She's. I've got some other prank calls where I. Um, do some other things and, and just talk about what how horny she is and it's fun. And, and guys, look, if you have anyone you want us to prank, uh, hit Tim up on Twitter at Gaither Tim. I think he's good at requests. He's the talented guy. And as you've seen throughout the past few episodes, we're going to continue to open up with the prank calls. It's a good start. I feel it sets the mood for a good time. Plus, we're dying laughing and then we, we kick, press record. Yeah, there's some characters in Arkansas where I was from. My, uh, my uncle Charles, I remember sitting in his, in his in his trailer one day, and this guy knocked on the door, and he talked to him for a couple minutes, and then and then uh, he wouldn't let him in, and he's like, he wants to use the restroom, and I'm like, <laughs> he wants to use the bathroom, just like this is out of the way trailer, like it's not like it's a neighborhood kind of a thing, and uh, he's like, yeah, I don't let him in my restroom. That some bitch will drink up anything you got in there with alcohol. You're, he'll drink your your damn cologne. He'll drink your <laughs> he'll drink your damn mouthwash. Um, you know, so. Uh, how how did the prank call start? I mean, was this like as a 10-year-old Tim Gay? They're like, hey, excuse me, is your water running? <laughs> my friend Derek Lane and I, uh, this kid I wrestled with when we were kids, um, used to come over and my mom would let us prank people because she thought it was funny. She heard us doing it one time and she wanted to, you know, be a mom and tell us not to do that. But she laughed so hard that she was like, let us do it, and then she would she have said, God fun God damn with it. it, this is entertaining. Yeah. One of the first things we did, we would call this Chinese restaurant and be like, is this a fortune cookie palace? And uh, she thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> and back then, you could prank people because everyone had to answer the damn phone. Now, now it's harder because you almost have to call businesses because residentials, nobody answers. A, you know, no. If you even have a home phone, you don't answer the damn thing. I have a home phone. I never answer it unless it's to prank telemarketers because that's all that freaking calls me are telemarketers. But yeah, um, there's a lot of characters in Arkansas, and uh, speaking of characters in Arkansas, I have a cousin, his name is A.J. Gaither, and uh, funny enough, I didn't even know I had, he's a, he's a musician, he, musician. He's, a, uh, 
he does it has a one-man band um so i've got tons of questions for him and i didn't even know that i kind of forgot that i had a cousin aj when he was little we called him little Bo and little bobo and his uncle Bo was my or his dad Bo was my cousin i guess my second cousin so i kind of he was like an older cousin so he's more of an uncle and uh i'd kind of forgotten that little Bo existed to be honest with you because he's he's i don't know how much younger he is than me but He's little Bo, and then plus Big Bo is a big guy and overshadows a lot of people, so, you know. Well, Dustin Kaufman is a comedian. He was like, I met your cousin, AJ, the guy in the band, and I was like, who the fuck are you talking about? I don't have a cousin in a band. Shout you out know. to Kaufman. Yeah. Um, so he was like, no, he, he's, his name's AJ, and I was like, for the, long, for the first, you know, I think I was driving home that night before I was like, oh. Is that who he was talking about? You know, because I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't have a cousin. Um, <laughs> and if I do, he's not a musician in a band or whatever. So he travels all over. He's from Arkansas. Um, and he and I have never spoken. Like, we're Facebook friends. And, and after that, we kind of like, you know, talked through message a little bit. But we've never actually spoken. So uh, last week, we tried to have him on. And we weren't able to. We had some... Uh, I don't really remember what the hell our reason was, but we didn't have him on, and uh, we've got him this week. I think he had some traveling difficulties. So I've got some questions for my cousin that I've never spoken to. So, uh, And I'm also curious to see how deep his southern accent is because he grew up where I was, where I lived until I was about five when we moved to Kansas. See, I, I grew up, same thing, I grew up in Sullivan, Missouri, rural eastern Missouri. Yeah. But we moved to Kansas City when I was five, and so I was able to adopt uh, the good old city Midwest broadcast <laughs> dialect. Yeah. Um, well, people wonder, people are like, where's your Southern accent come from on stage? And I'm like, well, it just kind of comes out because of my cadence. But when you hear this guy talk, these are the first people who I ever heard speak. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you, this is where your English come from. This uh, will answer some questions about, about why I, uh, my voice changes sometimes. Hell yeah, let's do this. Right. AJ Gaither, musician, one-man band, extraordinaire. Let's see here. That's the phone, fucker. <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? AJ Gaither, what's up, buddy? Oh, you know, same old, same old, man. Just hanging out, it's, uh... Tuesday, right? So this is my day, my day off. I'm just uh, keeping up on shows, working on my vlog, trying to get over a hangover and looking for shows, man. <laughs> what are you guys up to? Um, well, we were just calling you. We were just talking about how you and I have never actually spoken before. And, uh... We really, really haven't, man. It's kind of crazy, man. Honestly, we <laughs> haven't. You know, being, a, being in a, a family full of what, automotive specialists, the only two entertainers, it's kind of crazy that we haven't ever spoke, man. Yeah, no shit. Um, how how old are you, AJ? I'm 36. 36, okay. you know. Okay, so I'm and 40. I just, I'm just hanging out doing normal 36 year old stuff. I'm, I'm I'm hanging out in my 32 square foot camper, getting high in my dad's driveway, trying to book shows, doing 32 year old responsible adult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh, almost six years younger than me. So when yeah. I remember, I remember first meeting you when you were a kid. Um, uh huh. And you were Uh-oh. you were you were just this little kid that you know never had a shirt on, and little Bobo is what we called you, but yeah. But you were too little for me to actually speak to, and I was like twelve or whatever, so I had no interest in speaking to a six year old. But uh, exactly. <laughs> but I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that you don't have more of an accent. 
Well, you know, it's the funny thing about it. You know, if I look at kind of the whole timeline, how things went down, I mean, growing up in Arkansas and uh, being from the background I was from, I had a strong will to be away from all that, you know. <laughs> like, I wanted to be the heck out of Arkansas as soon as I, I wanted. You know, as soon as I was 18, I moved away. And uh, I didn't want to sound like everyone else. It's like I don't put effort to not sound like them, not sound. But uh, when I got out of the world, uh, it kind of taught me to maybe be more proud of where I was from, be more proud of my roots. And, uh, you know, there wasn't so much to be ashamed of or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a, a weird in-between, you know what I mean? I ain't, I ain't your average redneck, but I'm definitely pretty freaking country, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, Arkansas yeah, yeah. in general gets a bad rap, and I defend it all the time. I'm like, Arkansas is beautiful, yep. and it is, and there are a hell of a lot of smart people there. It's just that there's some ingenious people, man. There's, uh, you know, what I do, the whole the homemade instruments, and, and a lot of the stuff I do is, is stuff I make myself, and it's not. A lot of people might think it's gimmicky, but really, it's not. It's something that's in my heart and soul, and that's like finding a way to do something with what you got, and that's kind of what. The, the genius and the ingenuity of the people of Arkansas is about, man. There's people that have lived in those hills and those mountains, and even the swamp and the lowlands kind of where we're, we're from, somewhere south there, like, they get by with what they got. And that's what my music's kind of about, you know, is getting by with what you got. And that's what Roots music is about, you know, the, the cigar box guitars, the homemade stuff. And so that's all, it's all very much a big snowball of stuff to me that all kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah, pe- people have always told me, um, I had an ex-girlfriend that was like, you were the most... Uh, what is what is the word when you don't have shit and you make something out of it? Resourceful? She was like, you're the most resourceful person I've ever met. No. And I think that's partly from growing up yep. poor and just having to make do with shit. Absolutely. A hundred percent it is. Man. And that's, that's exactly that's, that's exactly the kind of stuff I try to like uh, to tell people, you know. Like, um, it comes from the necessity that it comes from growing up poor, man. Like, yeah, totally. So how you're a one-man band generally, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, my, my main thing, I'm, I'm actually doing, I mean, two acts that are working full-time, and then my other band for a few years ago is about to do a reunion show in a few weeks. But my full-time thing is uh, my one-man band, which is uh, me, I uh, write, write all the songs. Uh, and when, when, you know, I, I kind of come into the whole biker bar scene where they expect you to come in and do four hours of covers, and I refused to really do a lot of covers, and so I had to kind of write enough material to fill all those hours. So I do a few old traditionals, but for the most part, all original music. Uh, I hand-build my instruments, which are like cigar box guitars, cigar box banjos. I uh, build an all-foot-rigged-up drum kit out of like a Rubbermaid tub and uh, wow. broken drum parts of frames thrown away. Like all my foot pedals are made of wood and hinges and simple hardware store stuff. Like I said, if you can't find it in the junk pile of the hardware store, like it's too fancy for me to use. You know, that's kind of... That's freaking well, awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. So you got, uh, you yeah, got. So I've been doing that about five years now, I guess. So you're a you're a true artistic person. Other than other than you know, I like to think I'm good at my job, but and that's an artistic genre. But uh, but as far as like anything I'm else, I'm jealous like, of comedians, brother. I'm jealous of city comedians because y'all. I need like you know my whole rig. You know, I travel around with a fully loaded down minivan, and I've got my little micro camper I built, and it's fully loaded with stuff because. I need all these instruments and a PA rig and all these kind of props to my life, if you will, to do what I do. You guys get to get in your car and just go, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've always, you know, uh, Dustin, which we're mutual friends with, Dustin Kaufman, uh, he always told me, man, uh, he, he, he felt bad for us musicians because we had to have a whole van and so we had five other guys with us in there and uh, the comedian used to travel. And I know we share some of the same hardships, too, when traveling. I've always been jealous of the... Uh, 
the lack of gear that you guys have to have, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I've always been jealous of the fact that if you're, uh, you know, if you're in a band or you're playing music, I mean, obviously you want the uh, the crowd to be good, but if they suck, uh-huh. well, you just keep playing. And if it, if Dude, they... You know, oh my God. And, that, and that's the thing. I could imagine the terror you guys have to face. You're up there and the crowd's not good. Like, it's, I mean, oh my goodness. Like, that's where you guys have to be really strong, right? Like, I couldn't imagine. I mean, there's times when I want to walk off stage but I can just play like whatever, <laughs> you know. I can just then I can get another shot. Then I can play another hour. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It would be like totally if fine. it would be like doing a shitty comedy show is like if I was sitting here having a podcast with you, and every question I asked you, you just answered yes or no, and <laughs> and, and I had to fill forty five minutes that way. That's what a that's what a really shitty comedy gig feels like. It's like, like it's no, like brother. someone kicking you in the balls for forty minutes straight. <laughs> Uh, when I don't need to yell in that regard, I can tell you that. I don't need to, you know, I can just close my eyes and, and get in my own music, just as self-indulgent as that sounds, and I can get through. Because I have, you know, I've got prison gigs where there's four or five people. You know what, and I'll backtrack. If I'm playing with four or five people, usually they're really into my show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. strange, you know. It's like, it's, it's for me, it's more if there's like a hundred or more people, no one, you know what I mean? It gets hard to, to pull that many people, which is natural, you know, and, uh, yeah, no, there's definitely some ins and outs. It's a similar lifestyle, and then there's just some, some idiosyncrasies on that's the word. But uh, that's really, that's fun. So do you do you still travel much, or are you kind of centrally located? I'm not sure where you're at in your uh, your career path these days. No, I live in L.A. and uh, I still mm-hmm. go on I still go on the road about um, on average probably ten days a month. I do about two weeks out of every month, which Comedy weeks aren't real weeks. It's not like Monday through Sunday. It's generally uh, Thursday through Saturday, no. occasionally yep, Sunday. Right, right. So yeah, I've finally gotten to the point where I can. I'm, I'm not. I'm not exactly where I want to be. I don't think you ever get exactly where you want to be. But um, right. now, now I'm. I'm to the point where I'm. I'm thinking about having a kid and trying to. You know. <laughs> Oh, with, wow, man. Awesome. with with my schedule the way it is, um, I think I could be a really good dad because I could be around him a lot and all that. Um, but agreed, agreed, man. Yeah, so I, I think that would be a really cool aspect of it. But now um, I'm able to to not go on the road quite as much, and uh, and I don't have to drive anywhere. I can't really drive anywhere. It's all it's all flying. But every time uh, I see right. every time I see your posts, um, I feel like. Like I know you, even though we've never spoken. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I know exactly what what you're going through sometimes when your car breaks down yeah. and and oh and, yeah, man. And your livelihood is like you said, you can't just you got so many instruments. Even if you did fly, it probably cost you. A oh freaking... man, yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking. Uh, you know, I'm working right now. And I'm kind of really panicking. I'm I'm supposed to go to Europe for the first time in mid June, and I took this on knowing that like. I don't really have the financial support that some of the type of bands that go over there and do these things do, you know. And I just kind of thought I'd figure it out. And I'm working on I've got some, some schemes going, but uh, I've never flown anywhere. Oh, I flew one 30-minute flight to Dallas one time for like a training thing. I still worked on cars. And uh, other than that, so to think, when I took it, I was like, yeah, I'll fly to, you know, Belgium. That's fine. We'll get to Belgium. But then uh, really my drums, like I said, they're unique to me. I couldn't really just borrow a drum set that would play different than mine. mine you know, not real drums or and so uh, I have to figure out how do I get my drums over there, you know? Yeah. And then I have to figure out, like, uh, you know, how do I get, I need merch over there. And then, like, there's issues with that. You go bring in merch to the airport. 
You know, if you were doing that, with it, you know, you got a visa. So there's all these complications that I was flying. And uh, so I used to think, man, I can't wait till one day where I can just fly to my gigs and I get to drive. And like, now I'm learning, well, there's a whole world of complications with that, you know. I guess, I guess I'm saying for any artist, man, the struggle is just real. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not, just, I'm not just saying this, but I think if there's one thing harder than making it so to speak um which whatever the uh, hell making it is as, as there's as no it, finished product i don't know what making it means either man. if there's anything harder than than comedy it's it's being a musician just from what i've heard about how cutthroat uh, it is and how much freaking competition and oh my god yeah and i'm sure there's oh a lot god. of you know these days with social media and you and all this other shit there's so uh, much crap out there uh, uh, that's getting you know, famous there was a time there was a magical window where social media was a beautiful thing for musicians because what it did was let it let you reach your audience directly all of a sudden you didn't need a promoter necessarily because now you could do what they did sort of kind of you know right and that was great but then it blew up and it got so huge and now you talk about competition in my genre like we call like the roots the new kind of roots genre like there is a very big family and camaraderie, camaraderie scene. Like, we're very big on like, We take care of each other. We, we always say it's not a competition. It's not a competition. But the fact of the matter is there are so many good musicians coming into this scene, like really genuinely good musicians and good people that it is now. We're fighting for slots at these good things shows, and we're fighting for slots at these festivals. And certain bars, not, not all, but certain bars, they know they can get a band to pay for less because we all want slots. And so... The bar stays low. The price never goes up. Now, I was told that in the 70s, the average play musician made was about 100 bucks per night. And you had to show up, drive to the gig, set up your stuff, play for about three to four hours, break all your stuff back down, load it in the car, drive home. You made about 100 bucks. That was either being a solo guy or a band of five. Each guy should make 100 bucks. That's exactly what we make today. So that's the 70s. It's 2017, man, you know? And, like, yeah. we haven't really gotten a raise. And that, that's real. And can you make it, which again, whatever that is, that's it. You know, I know a few guys that have gotten uh, movie licensing deals. They've got maybe a steady trickle in that helps to support their touring. I know one fellow that just got like a huge video game deal with Sony with one of his songs. Uh, that completely changed his game, dude. Like that completely changed that dude's life. Yeah. Barring that sort of stuff, uh, it's just a grind. Uh, you, you grind it out a while. Traveling, you try to play as many gigs as you can. Uh, the social media thing, it used to be as good as like, posting a picture every now and again but now it needs to be video now it needs to be uh regular to keep an audience it's almost like it went from being your own music promoter to now you're running your own freaking radio show like you guys or your own tv station with it like i'm trying to do a youtube channel and i've been up to 6 a.m editing video today like, i'm not a video editor i'm a homemade right. musician but this is now necessary for me to reach my audience exactly because there's a sea of us out there and if, if i'm not doing it someone else is you know what i mean so uh Let's say it's hard on a bunch of fronts. It's hard. The actual physical travel is tough, and then the online media is tough. The only part of my job that's not extremely hard for me is the playing of the music. I feel once I'm actually sat down in my chair, my drums and the guitars in my hand, like that part's pretty well easy. I can be tired, exhausted, sick, depressed. It doesn't matter. I can I can go play a set and feel great afterwards. But yeah, I'm the same. Every minute of it's a struggle. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm the same way. I've been I've been all the things you just said. Uh, going yeah. through going through breakups and physical pain yeah. and all that other stuff, but when you're up there for that 45 minutes, yep. it, it, for, it's you know yeah when it's going well you know it's it, it's yep. uh, it's I don't even if it's not going shit, well man. I'm sure not thinking about 
any other thing that's bothering me. You no, know? you're not. Yeah, because you're doing something you love, man. Yeah, so that's the thing. That's the two sides of it. It's a huge struggle. But, man, when you're in it, when it's going well, uh, being a performer and entertainer, if that's, if that's what you really love doing, it's worth it. You know? Well, which is part of the problem, because the people that book this shit, they all know oh, they how know much that. we they love to do that. it. Oh, my God, they, they know that. They man. know that we will try just as hard if we're making $50 or if we're making $1,000. And once they it figure that matter. out, they're like, well, fuck, why should we give them 1000 They're going to do just I as well. Gig, <laughs> I had a gig real recently. I don't land the spot because we're nice people. This is just kind of corporate. And I'm sure you deal with this a lot more than I do. Uh, I don't deal with it hardly lost. So it kind of took me back. I played Chicago. I did a little while ago, and I drove literally, like, I finished my show, and I drove overnight to play this other show about four in the afternoon, and I rolled up, and they hand me a clipboard and say, sign this so we know where to send the check. Like, send the check? Like, I just spent all my money, drove eight hours to get here, like, I kind of want money to eat today and get gas to my yeah. next gig, you know, I don't have two weeks, I don't have a bank account, like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I kind of freaked out for a second, and I had to go back, calm down, like, well, this is part of the thing, you just have to deal with it. And that's one of those things you don't you don't account for. But as you move along, like you do, you do have to start accounting for that stuff. You know, people don't they don't really realize. You know, like yeah, it's not a big deal to most people. But it's a guy like us that kind of struggling, and you're out here like it is. You know. Yeah, at the at the comedy store in 1976, you made fifteen dollars in the original room for a set, and guess what you yeah. make in 2017? Fifteen dollars. Fifteen fucking dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's you know it's the comedy store. It's where it, you, know? you know they're like, oh, you're getting the chance yeah. to work out your art, and it's like, yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in the '80s, point, yeah, it's like, yeah. In the '80s, comics got got I don't got way more money than you know back in the back in, back in the '80s. Feature acts, the guy yeah. who goes in the middle, they got a thousand dollars plus air as a feature. I'm like, well, shit, I would have never wanted to headline. Plus air. Wow. That's the thing. And that's, I've learned this too, because I'm creeping up, man. I'm, I'm working really hard. I'm creeping up the ladder. But, like, I learn things. Like, there's this huge gap. Like I said, you make, uh, we should be talking, like we said, it's, it's 100 bucks, about 100, 150 bucks for a guy, you know, like, especially a solo guy. If you're in a band, I see you probably ain't even making 100 bucks tonight anymore, most bands that I know anyway. But, like, for me, I put on a pretty big show. I travel with the good PAs. Like, I'm prop. I got a good work ethic. So I can make 100, 150. The guy that I'm opening for is making a thousand or two thousand sometimes, yeah. and then the guy that like you know that he's on crew with, the guy was up three, four grand, and so it jumps from like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks to a thousand dollars, you know. And it's just weird that there's kind of no in between the gap. And then you get to the real like these pop icons, the those people, and they demand so much money, and then so much is done for them. They literally like they show up and step out of a dressing room to your microphone. They're handed a bottle of water if they need it, like. Yeah. I want water in most gigs. I got to go get the plastic cup and walk to the Harvey Gatorade thing like everybody fucking else, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. a huge gap in treatment. And uh, you're working way harder on the small scale. You know, when you start out as a comedian, you're probably calling up these bars and booking your own shows. You're burning up your own gasoline to get to the show, sleeping in your car because you can't afford a hotel. They don't, they don't hook you up with a hotel you know? either? Say so what? They don't hook you up with a hotel? Oh my God! No, 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 no! There's no hotels, man. No. See, that's what, what I'm doing now. Is I, I was buying vans and I would strip the van out and I build a bed and storage shelves and uh, block out the windows and I was building camper vans. I buy one about hundred thousand miles because you get them cheaper. About a hundred thousand, kind of sweet spot, you know. And I'd rig them out, but then I'd burn one up 
and uh, I'd have to get rid of it, and I had to buy another van and put a whole new out, you know, a new bed and everything. So what I did was I built a tiny homemade camper, like really tiny, so it could be pulled by virtually anything. It's a baby being when I burned my car up, I just accepted it. Whatever vehicle I get, about 100,000 miles a year, you know, whatever I get, going to burn it up. I can get a vehicle. Like right now, I've got a four-cylinder Honda, and it pulls this little trailer. That's where I sleep. That's where I store all my clothes and everything. And uh, the car is where I store all my gear. Well, and, uh, you're... No, there's, there's, there's no hotels. I sleep in the camper. I camp out a lot. stay in parking lots. Uh, every now and again, certain bars toss me a hotel. I, I get three a year. Maybe two hotels a year. You get on a festival, there's maybe a hotel. You're cutting out a little bit there at the end. Oh, sorry, man. It's all good. How'd you think there's no hotels? I was rambling about it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's no but, problem. Uh, yeah, that... and that's fine too. I, I like I like camping. So I ain't just that upset when it's not a hotel. Shit, I'm sorry, man. I couldn't. I can't. Can't hear it that great. Where can uh, where can people find you, AJ? Is it Facebook.com slash AJ Gaither? Yeah, man, just, uh, yeah, AJ Gaither on Facebook and uh, on YouTube. It's uh, AJ Gaither OMB. Oh, and, uh, okay. And I'm posting out, yeah, man, I'm, I'm probably posting a lot of stuff on YouTube, um, how I build my guitars, and I'm doing a video series of all the shows and festivals that I'm playing at and my traveling through the summer. And so if they go subscribe there, they can see what I'm doing in the videos I was ready to do. I was just in Chicago at the St. Paul Roadrunners at uh, Shooter Jennings. Headlining, and um, I'm, I'm editing a video of all that right now that I'll be posting in a few hours. Okay. That's yeah, awesome, man. AJ Gator OMB, uh, Facebook AJ and uh, if they're ever in Kansas City, uh, the Westport Saloon is my home base. And I'm there every Sunday night from 9 until they close the doors, and uh, I host uh, an array of musicians on Sunday nights, so we're welcome to come out and play. Okay, you're at, you're if you're in town every Sunday, you're at the Westport Saloon in Kansas City. Yes. That's okay. Correct. Um I'll 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 remember that for the people listening to this and I'll also remember it for myself cuz uh the Please, next man. Come on out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in Kansas City at the end of uh or the middle of July I'm going to Springfield, but I'm flying into Kansas City and okay. uh I I should be there that Sunday, so I'm going to make that a point on July 16th oh, if you're no, there. Yeah, no, we we really need to hang out. We, we have a whole lot more to talk about, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have a, a lot yeah. to talk about and uh Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think uh, I think you're gonna make it, dude, because you have a uh, a cool story. You have a cool Playboy interview story, which is. <laughs> Thank you, man. That, that's that was uh, I I went to high school with a guy who's really done well for himself, <laughs> Jason Sudeikis, and I was never really jealous of anything. I was always happy for him until I saw he got a yeah. Playboy interview, and then I was like, that motherfucker. <laughs> I was always happy till he got that goddamn Playboy interview, and then I was like, "No, this motherfucker got a Playboy interview." But, but you got to have cool stories for when you get a Playboy interview, and and roughing it the way you have, and and all that is, uh, uh, you know, it's a kick-ass story. And 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 that you play your own bands, and that you make you make your own fucking instruments. I mean, you know, that's not normal.
knowledge on how to play these guitars, how to build them, history of them. They sponsor a bunch of festivals. Like, they are the name in Cigar Box Guitars, you know. Um, they had me come out there for two weeks and bring my, my main guitar as like kind of my signature I'm known for, you know. And uh, we took all these measurements and pictures and instructions and notes, and they basically produced a part of it. Their builders build it. I don't literally anywhere right now, so I could build people guitars. They wanted me to build them. Well, I just couldn't. I don't have a shop, you know, if I can't. Uh, so they build my guitars, uh, got my name on them, and they sell them, and then they sell me a percentage that goes into a like, uh, PayPal account, and that helps me for gasoline down the road and stuff. So that was a huge deal. Uh, CD Guinea, like I said, it's kind of a, uh, a cool DIY sponsorship thing. So if people want to own one of my guitars, uh, it's called the Arkansas Tenor, and they get Arkansas Tenor at cdbeats.com, and I'll use the chance in my guests to get the that. Okay. Well, uh, I'm definitely gonna get. We're gonna play out, play one of your songs at the end of the podcast, and I want to get out to see you at Westport Saloon, and uh, and ho- hopefully, if it works out, we could uh, we could work together someday in some capacity. Yeah. You know? We play in natural habitat at the end of this episode. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites, man. I appreciate that. Man. Yeah, you. you you bet, buddy. And uh, oh yeah, and Facebook. Well, it's awesome talking to you, man. Yeah, you too, buddy. It's facebookcom omb for anybody listening, um, he, he's he's awesome, and uh, it's, it's a lot of talent you got there, buddy. So I'm really looking forward to meeting you and, and and meeting somebody in the family who knows. Um, you know, everyone's always asking me if I know the Bill Gaither, if I if I'm related to the Bill oh Gaither trio, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't think I, I always, am, and if I am, I doubt they'd want me opening for him. Um, I can always tell, like, kind of what region the question I'm in, because if I say my name's AJ Gainter, and they split their eyes, and I go, like, Bill and Gloria, and they just go, oh, or they keep more confused, like, they're a little bit too far north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more confused, but, yeah. <laughs> well, we're better than those fuckers, so, uh... Gotta... All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. All right, AJ, well, uh, I'll be in touch soon, buddy, and uh, I look forward yeah, to seeing yeah, you in July. Yeah, it fun to talk to you, for real. I can't wait to actually hang out, man. Let me know as soon as you're in town, and we'll uh, sit down and uh, have a talk, man. I- I'm looking forward to that. Okay, tell your tell your dad and uh, Tony I said hello. Oh, I'll let them know, man. Yeah. Oh, where can I go to, to, to hear this and share the link? I just want to send you links and stuff, man. I'll pass this around on my, uh, my social media, too. Okay, um, tell them, John. Uh, you want to go to just... Tim Gaither on iTunes podcast. Uh, you can find it there. And then uh, we usually post the links on uh, Tim's Facebook fan page, which is uh, just facebook.com backslash Tim Gaither. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to find it. I'll have it on my on my uh, regular page, too. Oh, yeah, dude. Excellent. I really appreciate y'all talking to me, man. It's been really cool, dude. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, so there it was. That was how many years in the making? 30? Uh, yeah, at least. I mean, like I said, I've never actually spoken to him. When I did, he was just a, a little kid with no – he never had a shirt on. I remember that. His name was Bobo. And uh, I'm like, that's little Bobo. He doesn't wear a Rubbing shirt around ever. with a sunburn in August. <laughs> it was in Arkansas, you know. So, I mean, we just never – you know, he didn't wear shoes. You wore like a pair of shorts, and you're good. Long yeah, that's, that sounds like out. Missouri, really, as well. Yeah. It's and, you know it's it's all small towns in 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 America and people think like I said people give the South a bad rap and especially Arkansas I think everybody's stupid and humps their cousins and that's only partially true. 
<laughs> There's only fractions of that. You On know, both fronts. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So yeah, I thought he would be a little. I thought he would have a, like a total like freaking hillbilly accent, and because uh, he's from, he lives in it. I mean, my aunt Patricia, if you heard her talk, um, and no, he doesn't really have. Uh, you know, I mean, I can tell he's from Arkansas, but he's been. He's in Kansas City, or right outside Kansas yeah. City. Um, you know, I'm assuming he's been there. You know, for. A, a while yeah. but like he said he was trying to get away from that as much as possible until I, he realized he's like actually it's kind of sweet i wanted to ask him about his, his it's his uncle tony and it's my cousin my second cousin and he came to stay with us when i was a kid and you remember how when you're a little kid and if you had to go poop at a like an like a department store or something <laughs> it was intimidating and scary and so I was in there doing my business and the door opened up and anytime I would hear a door open I would raise my little feet I would just raise them up until no one <laughs> and, no until they left and then I put my feet back down and uh, I, I remember doing that and this guy sat down and I was like it sat down in the stall next to me and I was like so I'm sitting there trying to hold my little legs up and they start to ache and then I'm like and then I finally look down and I see these boots and I'm like those are my cousins. Those are my. To me, he was an uncle. I was like, those are my uncle Tony's boots, and I was like, Tony, and he's like, yep, and I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I put my feet down, and I was like, all I you know, all of a sudden, I wasn't nervous about anyone else coming in because my because my cousin Tony was over there, and he was kind of a mean looking dude, you know. Um, <laughs> which I think, by the way, all these people are worried about, like, like people coming in and snatching your kid you know because the whole transgender restrooms i think the best defense against uh, even the most hardcore pedophile is not even a hardcore pedophile wants to snatch a kid while he's mid poop yeah no i think you're, you definitely that's, that's something to take away from this you know so definitely encourage your your, <laughs> your young boys to sit down and pee in the men's restroom no don't encourage that at all i think that's weird i've met grown men who do that and uh i just think that's weird yeah one of the chefs that i worked if with you sit down to pee you better be pretty shit-faced when i was working in north dakota one of the head chefs someone walked in and he was sitting down and peeing and he stood up you know and he came and he was like are you sitting down and peeing and then it immediately spread like wildfire hey chef was sitting down while he was peeing we had this freshman on my wrestling team when I was in high school, and I, you know, how some little kids will pull their pants down like around their, <coughs> around their ass to pee, like real little kids. And I walked into yeah. the locker room, and he like had his pants down below, you know, just peeing with his pants down like all the way to his. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm peeing. I'm like, not anymore, not like that. You don't pull your freaking pants up. <laughs> See, that's great advice, and that's when you. In- like we said in previous episodes, you got to interject when the time is right. That's a good teach him a lesson. Be like, yeah. you can stop. Like, you can just pull down the front. By the way, it's National Teachers Day. You know that? No, I well, I did not. I didn't know it either. I just read it somewhere on Facebook or some shit. Which, by the way, I think I'm going to take off my phone. You want to do my social media? Maybe I'll just pay your ass to do it. Cause, sure, uh, I'll, I'll I'll line it up for you. I spend too much time just staring at that freaking. It is very time consuming. It is, it's time-consuming, and you don't realize how, you know, like, oh, you'll read this story, or I'll watch this video, or and then, and what I do is I read the comments of people arguing, and then that's all I can do to know. It's informative, but not always in a good way. You're like, I don't want to know that much stuff about, like, like, you waste that much time reading people's opinions that you probably don't even know, that don't live anywhere near you, 
but it's intriguing to say like, damn, this person gives a shit that much about right. this. Or, or putting my own opinion on there. Do you ever do that? And then you go back and check to check too much to see if, you know, I don't, I, I just get too riled up and, uh, I, so I just don't even deal with it. Yeah. We talked about Facebook arguments and I started to, uh, put something up yesterday and then I was just like, no, people are going to take it wrong and whatever. But there was a guy, he, he emailed me and he's one of these people who, you know, if, if you're going to make money, however, you got to make it fine. But, uh, he teaches comedy, um, and not everyone who teaches comedy sucks at comedy, but a good part of them do. <laughs> Is this in L.A.? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he's just one of these people who makes money in comedy any way he can, whether it's selling how-to books or this or that. Um, and yesterday he put he sent me, he sends out these mass emails to comics. I don't know how he got my email, but and it was basically trying to sell a mo- the most updated version of all the comedy clubs bookers in the country. So, and, and his, his pitch was like, so you've been to a couple classes, read a couple books, been on stage a couple times. Well, you need to buy this book now. It's like, it's like this, I think it's like $50 and you can pay this guy and he'll send you the updated club listings. And on one hand, fine. That's a that's a good thing. Part of my part of me was like, well, shit, I should get that and give it to my manager. Save you hours of digging yeah. around. And- yeah, but but the part that I didn't like was saying like, um, if you've been on stage a couple of times, well, I got news for you. If you've been on stage a couple of times, a few times, you're not ready to call clubs and bug them. You know what I mean? And and AJ touched on it a little bit, but it's different in comedy, I think, because. It's getting so watered down. You know, like now, there are people who have figured... They're not even funny, but they figured out, like, the formula. Like, there's a formula for, like, yep. writing jokes. And, and you can do a passable job. And if you write clean enough jokes, then you can make a living doing corporate gigs. And I'm not knocking anyone who does corporate gigs. They're great money, and they're not easy gigs. But you can be pretty hacky and do those. I'm not saying everyone who does them are hacks, but... Hacks can thrive in that environment. So he's one of these people who just makes money anywhere he can, and now he's basically telling all these comics who aren't qualified to go and compete with comics who are qualified by clogging up the the system, clogging it up and watering it down. You know, one of the one of the lasting memories I had of working the door at the comedy store is probably like eight, ten years ago. This guy comes out. And he was, did a bringer show in the main room. And this is back when the club was dead. So they were like, anyone want to do a show in the main room? It's empty seven nights, five nights a week. And so they would do a lot of bringer shows there. And this kid comes out. He's all excited. He's like, oh, I just had a great set. And I just read this comedy book. And like you just said, he's like, you know, they got this certain formula. It's like, hey, if you're talking about this, you want to misdirect. And then when you misdirect, the audience isn't expecting it. So that's going to create right. laughter and confusion. And he was like, yeah, it was great. It was, you know, my first set I ever went up, like, afterwards they were like, yo, man, that shit was kind of dark, you know. It's like for some of the audience. And, you know, he goes, one out of, like, 20 of those jokes would work, you know. But now with this new book, it's like one out of four works. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him. I go, yeah, but that one out of 20, that's your joke. Yeah. I go, you just pulled four jokes out of a book. How original is that? Well, not only that, but if one out of four jokes, and that means if you tell 20, 
jokes, then then only four of them are worth a well, shit. He, yeah, yeah. That, well, he was saying like <laughs> you just ate shit, buddy. Well, he just said his his yeah, his ratio <laughs> as far as like working about. Yeah, he said like right. you know it increased fivefold with yeah. the book. You know, but I'm just thinking like, dude, but yeah, that one out of 20, that's original. That's from you. No one else has that. Yeah. Like someone else plugged in turtle in the fill, fill in a blank comedy book. Yeah. And then turtle, they chose pool instead of river. Yeah. And the thing is you can, you can be like, you, you don't even have to be funny, but if you don't have stage fright and you learn these, you know, for lack of better, better way to say it, how to, if you read these, how to be a hack books. <laughs> and then you just learn a formula and then you just and, and then you get good enough for the computer that you can fabricate promo or get your two minutes that's worth a shit and make that look like you're performing for the president you know i mean these days people can do anything and now with a clever promo pack and and somebody steering them on how to talk to bookers and all this shit you can you can be a working comedian but guess what you suck at comedy but you figured out how to do it for a living, and what you're at doing least the is, first go round, second go round, people are like, "Nah, you better." Unless you become a draw, and if you become a draw, comedy clubs and owners and all, they don't give a fuck how bad you suck. If you sell tickets, they don't care. They can't anymore. They yeah. can't. They've given it away so long that. They need the drink sales. They need the you know. They need now they 150 gotta, people in there yeah. to drink three things. That's my thing with YouTube stars and, and former actors and all this shit. I'm like, have a freaking meet and greet somewhere and leave the comedy to us. <laughs> leave the comedy to real comedians because it's hard enough getting work, you know, if you're good at it. You know, and now, anyway. I, I, don't call, wanna... I, I call it the last comic standing, gener you, know, gen you know, it's been 10 years since that show debuted, which told America, hey, comedy's a profession again. You know, throughout the, I mean, look, there were stars in the 90s and the early aughts in comedy, but they were few and far between. Whereas now, what are there, 20, 30 Netflix specials right now? A couple on Showtime, a couple on HBO, all stand-up. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are hundreds of hours of stand-up specials being released this year. Right. Versus, what, 17 hours back even 10 years ago? Because you only had Showtime, HBO. You didn't have Netflix. You didn't have... Amazon, you didn't have CISO, all these other outlets now that are allowing people to, yeah, you know, and even in your case, the Laugh Factory, who produced your special, yeah, you know, that wasn't even an option six years ago, five years ago, right? And so, you know, there's so much comedy and good comedy now, um, and a lot of shitty comedy, <laughs> and a lot of shitty comedy too. <laughs> yeah, you're so positive. You're like, there's good comedy. Well, no, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to justify. <laughs> Look, the, well, it's okay. You got to be the positive one in this it's relationship. That, I don't even necessarily think that's positive. That's just saying, along with the shitty that that club owners are dealing with, contacting, being fooled by, possibly with a good promo packet. Right. Even the good comics now need to have the good promo packet. Need to have like the really tight, maybe overproduced clips. Sure. You know, and There's all nothing that. wrong with having good promo, but I'm saying like these people that have all the shit before they have any jokes. I'm like, you're doing it backwards. Yep. And, yeah. And you're you're that's in the way. Good, that's your biggest pet peeve in comedy. Like, it you, is. I know. You just I started it on two podcast. weeks ago. You have a yeah. website for some reason. And you yeah. have clips up from the open mic at the bar and grill yeah. on Wednesday night. You're telling people you're a comedian. I'm like, I just find that insulting. You if know? there's more than like three neon lights on in the background of the stage that like maybe don't put that clip up on YouTube or Facebook. Yeah. You know, like just sit, wait, 
wait a little bit. Well, there's enough open mics. You can take a picture on a real stage, and then people are like, oh, I guess he is a comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or wait, wait until the show is over, and he got on stage and grabbed the mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, like, it is National Teacher Day, and for me, did, did you – I had a couple teachers that were very influential and played along with my antics in high school a little yeah. bit and kind of catered to my needs as an entertainer at a young age. Uh, were there was there anyone for you that stands out that that helped guide your comedy career, maybe encouraged it or discouraged you know, it? You know, more there's than it? one, and I still to this day I don't know where this yearbook is, but I, I'll never forget her writing this in my yearbook. Um, one of my English teachers, Miss Brungart, wrote something about you're very funny. Um, try to reign in your comedy. And to this day, because I can't see how she wrote it, I can't remember if she spelled it R E I N, like, like yeah. rain, yeah, like yeah. become a you know you know, be a badass with your comedy, like learn how to you know, make this into a profession, or if she meant rain it in, like take it down a notch. Just it down. <laughs> let's, let's just get it. Like under, you're just it. a little yeah. too out there. You're funny, but maybe rain it in Time a little. Time and a place. Time yeah. and a place. I prefer to think she life's meant... not your stage, Tim Gaither. Life <laughs> is not your stage. I prefer to think she meant, um, you know, bring the thunder. And... I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's. But if I if I found that yearbook, I'd probably be disappointed. But I'll never forget that she. That she wrote that. Um, so in school, I think she might have been the only one that... And, and I cheated all the time in high school. I, like, wrote shit down on, like, you know, and I put it on the floor. And now if I want to remember something, I write it on a napkin and put it underneath my drink on a... Uh, so I was training myself even when I was cheating in, in freaking high school. Real-life prepa- preparation, <laughs> you know. That, yeah. You use that more than ever. I mean, yeah. what about the, the wrestling aspect? Do you still... Uh... You still talk to any of your old coaches or like your college coaches? Uh, I talked to my college coach sometimes on Facebook, but my high school coach passed away. Um, gosh, she's probably been gone 15 years. And I still remember him saying, um, saying to me like before, like I think it was my regional finals or maybe it was during the match. I don't remember, but he goes, did you get what you came to get? And uh, he was a big black dude and he'd get fired up. So it came out more like, did you get what you came to get? <laughs> you know, <Okay. laughs> and the other day I was jumping rope, and for some reason, you know, I'm always listening to music to get you fired up anyway. But I heard him, I heard that, I heard him saying that. You know, have you got what you came to get yet? You know, like, well, then you better get it. You know, that kind of shit. And uh, I remember I came off the mat after my regional finals my senior year, and uh, the crowd was booing. There was all these kids from Wyandotte there, Harmon, and they were booing because they thought their guy got a takedown at the end and blah, blah, blah. But I won, and coach, I was walking off the mat, and Coach Leonard walked out in the middle of the mat, and he goes, let them say what they want. You still undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, it was like he was standing up to that whole school like, come on, you ain't got nothing. I can't handle it. I'm from East St. Louis. I'll rip your face off. And he was an intimidating freaking dude. We were all... Um, he always had good teams, and I think it was part of because he, uh, even if he didn't have good athletes or good wrestlers on his team, he scared you into doing your best. And just you just you learn that everything that there are very few real excuses in life. You know, when you get down to it, everything is just an excuse. You know, you can overcome it. You know, that was kind of his thing. Like now, what? So what you going to do? You know, it wasn't like... Broken oh, foot. Yeah. State tournament. Yeah, he would go, woe is me. Woe is me. You know, and that, that meant, don't you cry to me. I don't care. 
<laughs> What's the bottom line here? When I broke that foot, I think I said this on the podcast. He goes, you wrestling tomorrow. Fuck that shit. Because <laughs> he needed me in that duel. And, uh, yeah. Well, so it, it was a, you were constantly pushed to the limit. And then that bar was set. And then that was reset the next week with the even further limits and further limits. And yeah. So. Yeah. And, and just, you know, the uh, no excuses aspect of it. Which has made me kind of hard on myself in in regular life because there are so many things, in, especially in comedy, that are kind of out of your control. But um, in but, hi- hindsight, being twenty ten, always better than perfect. It's yeah. easy to put yourself in front of that, being like, "Well, you know what? If I'd never, if I hadn't said that, or if I didn't, then this wouldn't have happened." It's like, yeah, you can't you can't beat yourself up over that kind of shit. And knowing you too, I've seen where you'll have a great set and sl- and you maybe you forgot a tag on one joke, and then that's the first thing that's going to be out yeah. of your mouth, back in the green room. Like, God damn it, I forgot this thing. Yeah, I've got to start enjoying it more. And, uh, you know, not that I don't enjoy it, but, like, oh, I, I do have this, uh, I like it to, I like it to be as perfect as it can be, you know? And Well, I know. And there's know. no such thing, but sometimes, it, and anytime I'm conscious of it, anytime I think to myself, this is going really well, or... <laughs> You know, I think they're going to be with me through the whole thing. Just oh, it's almost like it's almost like they hear that thought and they're like, we're not going to give you shit on this next one. Just so you can keep working. <laughs> just hard. so you know. Yeah. We detected that you were kind of coasting yeah. now. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, where are we at time wise, John? We are right at about 53. OK, Come. I'd like to cap it right around an hour. That's going to be our, our goal here. But uh, man, we it, it's so easy to just go off on on freaking topics yeah you mean have a good time and yeah and talk. i mean yeah dude how, i mean the aj thing was that just sounds like a good dude i know him i know several musicians that are good that i'm friends with and that, that actually sound exactly like him really in the way that they talk and they're just views on life and how they live their life and well and that's why i asked him about the hotel room is because uh, you know in comedy it's a hotel room is pretty standard you know like if someone offers you a gig with no hotel, that is a shit gig. Um, Especially because it's probably only paying four hundred bucks. So that if that, and then so immediately a hundred of that's going to the yeah. hotel. When whenever someone calls me about a gig and I'm like, you know, I need this plus a hotel, they're always like, oh, I'm like, yeah. What do you think I'm gonna do? Stay in my car like my cousin AJ? <laughs> they're like, what do you think this <laughs> but, is? 1977? <laughs> but you know, I mean, that I just that that was my point about you know it being standard and it's not standard in musicians because they there's so many guys who will undercut you and do it for for cheaper and uh, you know that's that's a kick-ass. You know, I, I see people all using the hashtag comedy grind. I'm like, well, if you're staying in your car like my cousin aj you're on the grind um but (laughs) this ain't no grind i was in i was in uh it's a bitch and it's frustrating and all that but like i was in tempe arizona a couple years ago and i think i put a post on it about facebook and something had just happened that pissed me off in comedy and i stopped at a gas station and there was this dude on a roof like fixing the roof and it was like literally like 120 oh, degrees yeah, outside yeah. he's like roofing on the, on the 10 in between palm in yeah, palm springs and not Phoenix. a cloud in the sky oh, and shit. i'm like suck it up pussy you're yeah, right. that bad you know yeah 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 that guy doesn't know what's funny but you're not on a roof in arizona in 120 degrees i i look at it like as when you're in the car i'm gearing up for a, next month i'm going up to washington and back down it's like three thousand miles in a week 
seven shows, seven nights kind of a thing. Comedy grind, hashtag whatever, but that's going to be fun as hell. And I'm going to have a couple friends with me. And I'm not really looking at it as a grind. I'm like, this is going to be entertaining for me as a comic to be yeah. in a car with my friends. By the end of the week, we'll probably want to kill each other. But that's just how. And then you're back home and everything's fine. Yeah. But and on top of that, a bunch of great shows. And so, yeah, I don't really try to look at it like a grind. It's just an opportunity. One, to entertain, get better. Two. And then three, God forbid, make new fans yeah. out in, in Medford, Oregon or Seattle or you know the other stops. Yeah, I just want to get back to having having fun doing it and not worrying so much about everything being. Um, and, and I'm sounding like I'm not enjoying comedy. I am. I just uh, I do take it too seriously sometimes. And you've been doing it for the better part of almost two decades now. Yeah. Professionally. Yeah. So sixteen years without a day job. As with any career, you know, the longevity it gets tiring, in the sense that it's fun when you get. Say you go to Sarasota, Florida to do a gig for the first time. And you're like, this is great, White Sand Beach, and this is beautiful. Well, the fourth time you get there, you know where everything is. You've been there. You've spent almost three or four weeks of your life there at that club or whatever, wherever the city is. Yeah. And that's what, as a comic, it's so... It's weird because you have so much free time when you get to a city. So you, you end up walking around. You go around and you know, try to keep yourself busy during the day. Like how many cities can you walk around freely? Yeah, off you, the top of your head, I bet it's a, a well over a dozen. You realize how similar they all are, and like I, I think a good example was yesterday. I saw, um, I saw on Facebook someone was like, "I have my birthday's on Thursday, so if anyone has a set I could do, that'd be a great present." And I was thinking, that's the difference. When I was starting out, I probably would have been the same way. Like, oh, it's my birthday, I want to do a set. Now I'm like, uh, it's my birthday that weekend. Do you have any other weeks I can work? <laughs> and I'm not even a big birthday no, person. But you're I don't just like let me treat myself yeah, on I'm my like, goddamn birthday. If anything, freaking birthdays annoy me. They there was people in Hollywood, especially they like rent out bars and have like like this one friend of mine invited me to his red carpet affair and i'm like you're not even famous like what are you <laughs> like it was, it was kind of a like publicity a it was kind of a publicity thing you know yeah. but still it was just like brian burgess who we don't have i wanted to talk about him today but we definitely will next time um <laughs> a friend of mine was having a, a party this guy we worked with at stanford's in westport was like having a party downstairs and uh i was like burgess you going to uh you going to Troy's birthday? And he goes, no. And I go, why not? And he goes, because I got a problem with 40-year-olds having birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> and now anytime someone invites me to their Hollywood birthday party, I just hear Burgess going, I got a problem with 40-year-olds having birthday parties. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Like we're going to play pin the tail on the fucking donkey here. Yeah, it's out of control, and, it, and it's a week-long <laughs> affair of, like, your birthday's on a win. People are happy their birthdays are midweek now. They're like, now I can have a party Saturday, Sunday, and then we're going to also do another party yeah. on, on Friday the following weekend. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of like, and then Tuesday, if you want to, we're going to be down here bowling. Yeah. With the, it's just like, ah, Take it easy, dude. Yeah, just simple. Fucking relax. Yeah. We'll have some dinner for your birthday. We'll have, we can have a candle or a cake with no fucking candles. You Welcome know? to 38 or 44. <laughs> you don't need to blow out 38 candles, you douche. Oh, um, but whatever. I'm a well, grumpy bastard sometimes. Well, this episode was fantastic. I enjoyed just having AJ on. And again, that, that's uh, AJ Gaither, OMB on Facebook. 
please go there, support the man, download his music, like his page, all that stuff. Um, Tim will be at the Funny Bone. In Speaking Sy- of my birthday, I'll be on May 27th. We'll be at the Funny Bone in Syracuse. That's right. The 25th through the 28th at the Funny Bone in Syracuse, New York. Um, and then coming up in July, you got the 8th, 9th, and 10th at that's the in, Des Moines Funny Bone. That's in June. Um, or yeah, I'm sorry, in June. And then Laugh Factory, the 12th through the 18th in June. Also, that's the Tropicana, great gig, 14 shows. Vegas, yeah, that'll be a good one. Um, then coming up in July, you got the 5th and 6th, 7th and 8th up in Seattle area. Those gigs will be posted soon. Um, following weekend, Springfield, Missouri, the Blue Room Comedy Club, new club down there in the Ozarks. That's in Gaither country. Yeah. That's Gaither country. Uh, then the following weekend, the 21st and the 22nd, Again, this is of July. That's at the La Jolla Comedy Store in Southern uh, California, north of San Diego. Great club, legendary club. Um, your July is packed. And then that following weekend, July 27th, 8th, 9th, and 30th. Um, yeah, July 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th, the Funny Bone in Omaha, Nebraska. So you can go to timgaithercomedy.com to um, you know get further details. And do us a favor. If you're listening to this podcast and you like it, um, uh, follow me on SoundCloud. We need more followers on there and subscribe and all that crap. Give us ratings. Rate it. Say something nice. Yeah, same you, thing uh, Same thing with uh, iTunes. If you guys just go down, give it, you know, whatever, three stars, five stars. But leaving a comment is great. So the more comments that accumulate, the higher the show res- results pop up in search engines and yeah, things like that. When try people- not to be a dick. You know, try not to write me. M E H. Like, eh. <laughs> but, I've had people comment on like YouTube videos. Me, M E H. Fuck you. Yeah, I've seen better. How you a grown man, right? Oh man. Me. But guys, again, and, uh, go to Tim's <laughs> Facebook page, like that, uh, subscribe, and just like let your friends know. And uh, we appreciate all the support, listenerships going up, and uh, and as mentioned earlier, if you want us to talk about any topics or if you got any guests you'd like us to reach out to just hit tim up on twitter at gaither tim g-a-i-t-h-e-r-t-i-m anything else nope that'll do it god bless all of you thanks for listening